0: if you have your bible you could turn with me to galatians uh chapter 1 galatians chapter 1 and uh if you missed church last sunday we began a brand new sermon series we're calling galatians it's a study on the book of galatians amen and so i want to encourage you as we um we're, we're going to be in this series i don't know maybe 6 weeks or something like that and uh, i want to encourage you this is week 2 but i want to encourage you to just read through the book of the, you know, have you noticed there's a lot of words in the Bible? There's a lot of books. There's a lot of chapters. And, you know, I don't know about you, but whenever I first became a Christian, whenever I would listen to a sermon, and of course you didn't have iPads and iPhones and all that stuff. And, you you know, all you had was your Bible, you know. And by the time the pastor would quote a scripture, by the time I got there, he was ending his sermon. I was you know, in fact, what I would do would I'd hand my Bible to my neighbor and say, Hey, can you find that in my Bible? I'm not sure where that is. New Testament, Old Testament. I don't know. I didn't know anything about the Bible or very little about the Bible. But the the, the, the incredible thing is, is that if you keep reading, you keep digging in, you're going to learn the Bible. And so I want to encourage you. Galatians is six chapters long. You can read through it. It practically one sitting if you just got 25, 30 minutes. And so I want to encourage you to just read through it. And you'll find if you read through it for the next five or six weeks and just keep reading it over and over again, by the time we get done with this series, you might not know anything else about the Bible, but you're going to know Galatians well, amen. And you're going to have at least one scripture that you're going to know exactly where to go in the Bible to find it. And it'll encourage your heart and give you strength for your life. Amen. Father, I pray, help me to teach and preach your word today. God, help us to receive your word. Lord, we thank you for your life-giving power that is just upon us today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, the word of God, I, I'm just I'm just feeling like a row right now. But this past week, I got to go meet with Chap over at LPCC. They had a graduation for the men's freedom class, and they went through... um. Uh, Pastor Tony Evans, Kingdom Man, and there were a number of them that just uh, graduated, they gave them certificates, they fed them pizza, gave them some chocolate candy, and man, they thought they'd have died and went to heaven. Amen. But you know, uh, I was just talking to my, my friend Mr. Ted Cormichael, and he was saying, we were just, just bragging on, on the, the, grace of God and LPCC. I mean, these men that are hardened criminals, they're getting touched by the grace of God. God's changing their lives. And Pastor Ted said, I mean, brother Ted, oh, it might be prophetic, Mr. Pastor Ted, but Mr. Ted said, you know, anywhere you preach the gospel, good things are going to happen. Amen. How many of you believe that this morning? Anywhere, you, listen, when you get under the word of God, the gospel, the word of God is powerful, amen? And so listen, you could be up here and if you're quoting the Bible, you're making a difference, right? If you're reading the Bible, you're gonna be changed by it, amen? And so this morning, as I'm, uh, you know, in the opening week of of Galatians last week, I mentioned that the apostle Paul was the author of Galatians and um, he's writing to one of the churches he planted. Paul went on three different missionary journeys. Whenever he got saved, remember, he got blinded on the road to Damascus. He met the Lord. He was a church hater, a Christian hater, and God just got his attention, blinded him. He got saved, and he went missionary and he went planning churches, and he went on three different missionary uh, journeys and he planted churches. One of the churches he planted was in Galatia. Galatia was this region and, and he planted churches. And then so whenever he got back to Jerusalem, he got word that things were happening in Jerusalem that needed to be taken care of. So he couldn't go there personally. So he wrote them a letter and he sent the letter. That's the book that we're studying right now, the book of Galatians. And so the book of Galatians was written to address a problem where they had false teachers teaching a, a false doctrine. And so really the book of Galatians is a book of correction. And so here was the problem. The new Christians in Galatia that had heard the gospel of grace, received it, they got saved, and consequently they had been delivered from religious bondage and they were enjoying spiritual freedom. How many of you enjoy have enjoyed spiritual freedom since you got saved? And that's what the Galatian church was. But then these Judaizers come in, and, and they teach these false teachings, and they were trying to drag the Galatians back into bondage, saying, it doesn't matter whether you're a Gentile or you're a Jew, you have to be circumcised. And it caused this major rift in their church, and it caused a lot of division, and so Paul's addressing that problem. Now, the main theme of the book of Galatians is spiritual freedom. Paul was trying to protect their spiritual freedom. In fact, some of the biblical scholars, they call Galatians the Christian's declaration of independence. And so without question, one of the most important principles of spiritual freedom. How many of you know what spiritual freedom is like? How many of you know what it's not like? I mean, how many of you went to church and you believed in God and you served God, but man, it just seemed like it was drudgery. It didn't seem like it was liberating and life-giving. And then you got saved. And then you got the freedom of the Lord. How many of you experienced that? That's what the Galatians are dealing with. And so Paul, he's saying, listen, man, you enjoyed freedom. Don't go back into bondage. And that's what he's talking about. In Galatians 1 and verse 6 and 7, he said, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. How many of you know we can't enjoy spiritual freedom without the grace of God. Amen? And so Paul said there's two gospels. He said the false gospel of religion and works says you have to earn God's approval by your righteous deeds. And then the true gospel of grace says the only way to receive God's approval is by receiving the grace of God through faith. Amen? It's only the true gospel of grace that gives you spiritual freedom. Now, today I want to talk to you about, and I want to focus on what we're calling maintaining your spiritual freedom. You know, a key verse in Galatians is Galatians 5 and 1. We're kind of jumping ahead a little bit. But in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 1, the Apostle Paul says this to the Galatians, It is for freedom that Christ set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again, by a yoke of slavery. Now, the difference between the bondage of the law and the grace of God is the bondage of the law says, I got to keep every piece of the law for God to approve me, for God to be satisfied with me. Well, then the question was, what was enough? How much they had to do? Where Were they meeting? So they were under this burden of, am I pleasing God yet? And then they found out that Jesus died on the cross, shed his blood so our sins could be forgiven. And it was by his righteousness that we now have the righteousness of Christ and we can boldly come into the presence of God, not wondering whether God loves us or not. We all can be confident that God loves us. Amen. And that's the gospel that he's preaching. So he says, don't go back to that gospel of bondage. Now, obviously the reason the apostle Paul could teach about freedom was because he himself had experienced it. How many of you know that? Paul got free. He got liberated. Amen? I mean, this guy got set free. And so I want to give you, by focusing on the first two chapters of Galatians, just to pull out some of the, just the comments. You know, when you read somebody's, Text in our modern day language, or you read somebody's email, you're reading it and you're trying to figure out what's the attitude? What are they saying? Where are they coming from? What are they trying to relay, even with words they're not saying? Well, when you read the book of Galatians, you can find out a lot about the Apostle Paul and where he's coming from and what he's trying to teach the Galatian church. Amen? So, we're going to talk about three keys that I believe come right out of the first two chapters that are keys to maintaining your spiritual freedom in Christ. Amen? And here's the first one. The first key is to live free, we must seek to please God rather than man. Amen. I'm going to say it one more time because I need a better amen. We got to seek to please God rather than man. Come on, have you ever heard Brother Francis used to say all the time, God loves you and everybody got a plan for you, right? But come on, how many of you know you can't live your life to please everybody? You got to learn your li- to live your life to please God, right? So no doubt the Apostle Paul, prior to becoming a follower of Christ, he his motivation, he was concerned about pleasing man. In fact, before being a Christian, Paul studied the Jewish law and he became an expert in the Jewish law. And he, because he was seeking to impress man through his higher learning. And then we know that when he, when he held the coats of those that stoned Stephen, he wasn't trying to please God. He was worried about pleasing man, right? When he asked for the letters from the high priest to go to Damascus and the, and persecute the followers of Christ, he wasn't at all concerned about whether God cared or not. He was concerned about pleasing man. No doubt, prior to being a Christian, Paul's life was consumed not with worrying about what God thought of him; he was worried about what man thinks of him. But now that he had been liberated through the grace of God, and now that that everything has changed, now he's saying, "I don't want to prove; I don't want to please anybody except God." Amen. And this is what he says in Galatians one ten. Obviously. I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. If pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. That's a powerful verse right there. Now, here's an important lesson to learn. Living to please people robs you of Christ's spiritual freedom. And you know what else it does? It keeps you from being a servant of Christ. And that's what he's saying. The question is, Who are we going to live for? Who are we going to live to please? Are we going to live to please one another? Are we going to live to please the one and only King of kings and the Lord of lords? Amen. You know, after after becoming a Christian, I experienced a tremendous, a tremendous amount of spiritual freedom. You know, like, man, you know, before I became a Christian, I used to, you know, do drugs, smoke pot, do all that, you know, and and, uh you know, I would catch a buzz. Right. But I was in bondage, man, because I wake up in the morning with a headache, you know what I mean? And And my problems were still there. But whenever I got saved, my friends. The peace of God came on me. You heard me tell the story. Uh, you know, on Sundays, before I got saved, we used to ride around the park, you know, with our windows down, with our air, our, our arm on the steering wheel, and we would low ride and chill out on Sunday. But I'm telling you, I wanted to do that Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. I just was enjoying the freedom of the Lord. Y'all know what I'm talking about. But listen, but I, I was experiencing at the same time, rejection from my co-workers I mean these guys I was still working at the same place they knew me as the heathen and now all of a sudden my life is changing and they started rejecting me they started making fun at me they started talking about me when I turned a corner they would stop talking and they'd laugh and giggle I was experiencing that rejection so you know what I wanted I wanted to fit in because this was, this was my people. This was my family. I would spent more time with them than anybody. So you know what I started doing? I started reverting back to my old way of living to just try to fit in. Come on, y'all know what I'm talking about? Peer pressure. It's not just kids that have peer pressure. Adults experience peer pressure as well. And so you know What? Whenever I started trying to conform to their, what they thought was the way that you needed to live, you know what I lost? I lost my spiritual freedom. And it's like, oh, no. Uh Uh-uh. It's not for sale. And I decided they can reject me if they want. I'm going to live to please God and not man. Come on. Can I get a witness this morning? Amen. So here's the point. To live free, you have to seek to please God Rather than man. How do we live to please God? Well, first of all, to please God, you have to overcome the fear of man. What is the fear of man? It's just living your life, concerned about fitting in, concerned about what people think, concerned about being accepted by others, worried about pleasing them rather than pleasing God. That's what the fear of man is. And so Proverbs 29:25 says, fearing people is a dangerous trap, but trusting the Lord means safety. So proverb warns us. Listen, if you live worried about pleasing people, you're going to live in a trap. In other words, you're going to live without spiritual freedom. So the question is, how do you break free from the fear of man? He gives the, the solution right there in Proverbs 29:25. He says, "He who tr- he who trusts the Lord, trusting the Lord means safety." Amen. We have to trust the Lord, not trust man. And so. Trusting the Lord means I put my confidence in the Lord. I put my hope in the Lord. I put, I put all my eggs in that one basket. Amen. And listen, I'm not worried about whether my boss gives me a promotion or not. God is my boss. And if he's ready to give me a promotion, he's going to give me a promotion whether my boss wants it or not. Amen. Trusting the Lord means I rely on the Lord to provide my acceptance and my validation. I don't have to have a title. I don't have to have a position to be accepted and validated in the Lord. I'm a son in the house. Amen. And I got a seat at the the table, baby. And I can eat right there with the Lord anytime I want. And I'm happy with that. What about you? Amen. Amen. Listen, folks, I would rather be rejected by man and accepted by God, amen, than accepted by man and rejected by God, amen. As long as God's on your side, you're going to be all right, amen. But, you know, to please God, you must also be willing to endure persecution. You, the, listen, you can count on this. You can count on it. When you choose to live your life for Christ, people are going to talk about you. People are going to come against you. People are going to criticize you. Listen, don't serve God if you don't plan on getting persecuted. Because listen, 2 Timothy 3.12 says, Yes, and everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ, Jesus will suffer persecution. And listen, sometimes the persecution comes from those you love. And it will even come from fellow Christians. Amen. And so, listen, if you want to live for Christ, you got to make a decision that, listen, I ain't worried about whether people like the way that I live. But listen, when you decide to please God instead of man, you can expect some pushback from people. Come on. How many of you have already experienced that? Right. People won't like your lifestyle. People won't like your convictions. People won't like the way you choose to live your life. They want you to live their life. God loves you and they have a will of God for you. Amen. But it's okay. Don't get discouraged if you get persecuted. If you're persecuted for living, listen, not just living for Christ, living a godly life. Amen. Because listen, you could get persecuted for doing evil things and don't, don't, you know, don't be bad mouthing that. But if you're trying to live a godly life and you get persecuted, you can wait for the blessings of God to be on your life. Amen. I like that. Matthew five ten says, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Amen. Heaven opens up to you. Amen man, you know, just studying this, it just stirred up so many memories because, you know, I I got saved when I was 22 and and I'm not 22 anymore, you know, and, and, uh, you know, it was a long time ago, but whenever I got saved, I was working in the oil field and I was working on the rigs. And, um, you know, I remember one day I was sitting in my bunk, reading my Bible because the way that I work, whenever I got there, I had to wait Till they needed me to go to work. So sometimes I was there for days just waiting to go to work. So I was on my bunk just reading my Bible, and this guy walks in and says, what you doing? I said, I'm reading my Bible. Oh, you one of them holy rollers. And, man, here it comes, you know? And so it's like, man, you know, I wanted to revert back, you know, to before Christ, you know? But all of a sudden, he goes out of the, the bunkhouse, and he goes tell everybody on the rig, hey, we got a Christian on the rig. And, man, I tell you, it's like I met Lucifer himself on that rig. I mean, they started coming at me. They put pipe dope. I don't know if you know what that is. It's like grease. They put pipe dope in my toolbox. And when I went to go to work, I opened up my toolbox. It was full of grease. So I had to clean off my tools, get all the grease off of it just to go to work. And they were just smirking and giggling. I went to grab my hard hat. They'd filled my hard hat with grease. Man. Do you know what else happened? presence of God came on my life. The touch of God came on my life. I'm telling you, whenever you get persecuted for serving Christ, you can expect the touch of God to be on your life. Amen. Come on. I'd rather have the touch of God on my life than the approval of man. Can I get a better witness this day? Amen. The second key to maintaining spiritual freedom is this. To live free, we must strive to live an authentic Christian life. You know, one of the most liberating values you can embrace in life is to be authentic, which means be sincere, be genuine. That's what it means. The Apostle Paul had a strong conviction about living an authentic Christian life. You know, everybody can say I'm a Christian, but Jesus said you're really going to know who they are by the fruit of their life. Amen? In Galatians 2, Paul had to deal with the lack of authenticity in, in some of his people. And one of, the, one of the surprising people was the apostle Peter. Peter was this powerful man of God, one of his fellow laborers of the gospel. But Peter was lacking authenticity. And so at first, Peter had no problem eating with the Gentiles, those that had gotten saved and hadn't been circumcised. He would go eat with them and celebrate their Christianity, their newfound liberty in the faith. But after a while, this other group comes in, a conservative group, uh, friends of James, arrive from Antioch, and all of a sudden, he started pulling back and pushing away from the Gentiles that he was fellowshipping with. Because this conservative group didn't believe you had to be circumcised to be a true Christian. And so Peter, all of a sudden, he won't, he won't associate with. Why not? Because he was afraid of the criticism from this group of people. And so the apostle Paul, he has to rebuke Peter and call him down for his lack of authenticity. That's in the book of Galatians. In Galatians 2, 11, it says, When Peter came to Antioch, I had to oppose him to his face. For what he did was very wrong. When he first arrived, he ate with the Gentile Christians who were not circumcised. But afterward, when some friends of James came, Peter wouldn't eat with the Gentiles anymore. He was afraid of criticism from these people who insisted on the necessity of circumcision. And as a result, other Jewish Christians followed peter's hypocrisy and even barnabas was led astray why by their hypocrisy you see a lack of christian authenticity leads to hypocrisy what is hypocrisy it's being a stage actor it's it's when you preach one thing but you live another thing amen It's when you pretend to have certain values, morals, and convictions, but actually you don't. And that's what Peter's dealing with here. That's what Peter's addressing. He's addressing Peter. He was living a life of hypocrisy, and it was damaging the kingdom of God. Listen, here's the problem with hypocrisy. Number one, it robs you of spiritual freedom. But number two, it damages others. And robs them of spiritual freedom. Are y'all with me out there? And that's why the Apostle Paul, he, he, he addressed Peter head on, man, face to face. Galatians 2.13 says, as a result, other Jewish Christians followed Peter's hypocrisy. And even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. Remember, Barnabas was one of the, he was the encourager. He was there right with them. Preaching the gospel, being a missionary. So we have to remember, hypocrisy damages the kingdom of God. And if you want to live spiritually free, you got to be true. Amen? You know what's the biggest complaint or one of the biggest complaints lost people have against Christians? You know what they say all the time? Christians are... Can you finish it for me? Christians are... What they're saying is they don't believe we're authentic. So we got to preach something different than what they think. Amen. Come on, give me a better amen right there. So one thing I know for sure, authenticity is an inside job. It's an inside job. Proverbs 4.23 says, watch your heart with all diligence, for from it flows the springs of life. Authenticity begins with your heart. The one thing Jesus didn't have much tolerance for was hypocrisy. He didn't like it and he addressed it. I mean, he was uglier to the religious leaders than he was the heathen. And in Matthew 23, in Matthew 23, I mean, he throws down on the, the religious leaders. I mean, I, I mean, he says, you hypocrites, you hypocrites, you hypocrites. In Matthew 23, 25, he says, woe to you scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. For you clean the outside of the cup and of the dish, but inside they're full of robbery and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisees, first clean the inside of the cup and of the dish so that the outside of it may become clean also. So what he's saying is authenticity begins by focusing on the spiritual condition of our heart. We got to be honest with ourselves. Amen? That's, I think that's what it's saying. We gotta be honest with ourselves. And if the inside, the condition of our hearts are right, then spiritual freedom and authenticity will be a natural byproduct. Amen? I mean, how many of you heard of people that don't want to have anything to do with church or any with Christianity because they met some hypocrite Christian that was saying they were a deacon in the church, but yet they were, they were, you know, you know, right? I'm going to stop there. All right? All right. but listen again, let me encourage you, whenever you walk an authentic life, bless Matthew 5:18 says, "Blessed are the pure in heart. they're going to see God." Amen. Amen. y'all receiving this this morning? The third key to maintaining spiritual freedom is to live free, we must live a crucified life. amen. You too, sir. You got to live a crucified life. And so notice what Paul says in Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. That's a tough one right there. Paul says, if you want to live a free life you got to live a crucified life, you know it's not the devil that robs us he's not the main propon- or perpetrator of robbing us of spiritual freedom. You know who it is? Yes, it's me, it's me, O oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Amen, so we have to live a crucified life. Remember, crucified means you get on the cross, and you. And so Paul says, we got to die. In fact, in one place he says, you got to die once a week. No, no, that's not what he says. How often do we have to die? Every day. Come on, how many of you know you're going to have to die when you get out on that street over there, right? So how do you live a crucified life? First, I have to die to myself. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. But Christ lives in me. I no longer live. I is the problem. So to live free, we have to learn the art of dying to ourself and our selfishness. Dying to myself means dying to my selfish ambitions and my self-centered demands. Our tendency is to be selfish. Right? That's our tendency. But in Christianity, we can't let self stay on the throne of our hearts. We got to kick that dude off. Amen. We got to let Christ rule in our life. Dying to myself means dying to my selfish ambitions and my self-centered demands. It means I'm willing to focus on other people's needs instead of just worrying about my own. Come on, how many of you know? Dying to self means I'm willing to serve others instead of waiting around for others to serve me. Oh, this is tough right here. Amen. Y'all ready to pray? Come on, y'all ready to have an altar call and say, but listen, there is no freedom without crucifying yourself. Amen. And this is what Jesus said in Matthew 16. Jesus said to his disciples, If any of you wants to be my follower, You must turn from your selfish ways. Take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you're going to lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you're going to save it. Amen. Come on. That's good news right there. See, the problem with modern day Christianity is we want Christianity without a cross. Which means we want Christianity without having to sacrifice anything, without having to die to our agenda. But listen, if you want to live for Christ, Jesus told us disciples, if you want to be my follower, get on the cross with me. Amen. Come on, how many of you know that's true for us too? So every day I have to choose, I have to choose to die to myself. Amen. I have to choose to not let my flesh reign and rule, and you know, folks, if we allow our flesh to rule in our life, we're not going to like the results of it. And I tell you, it's going to rob you of spiritual freedom. You're not going to be free. You're going to be bound up. Amen. I notice the more I pray and ask God to help me, the better. Um, I notice that. Todd, whenever I became a Christian, that dude didn't die. he just passed out. Have y'all noticed that? I mean he he's got a thousand lives. He keeps rearing up, man. but come on, we got to put him back on the cross every day. Right. y'all agree with that, saints? To live a crucified life, I have to die to my sinful desires galatians five twenty four those who belong to Christ Jesus. And nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to the cross and crucified them there. All of us, we all have sinful natures, and we all have sinful passions and desires that want to control and rule our life. But listen, we don't have to allow them to rule our life. Just because I think about, Robbing a bank don't mean I have to go rob the bank. Come on, y'all say, yes, Todd, that's right. Leave my money in the bank, all right? But, you know, just because, you know, just because I had the notion to do it, I have to ask myself, is this from the Spirit of God or is this from my flesh? Amen? And so, so, listen, we don't have to allow our flesh to rule our lives. What's a beautiful thing about Christianity is when you got saved, the electric chair came on the inside of you called the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God has a way of curbing our sinful appetites and giving us the right appetites. Amen. Come on, I need a better amen right there. But every day we have to say, Lord, don't give me over to myself. Protect me from my sinful passions and desires. Amen? To live a crucified life, number three, I have to die to the world's ways. Galatians 6, 14 says, May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Living the crucified lives means we die to the world. What does that mean? We have to protect our heart. How many of you know the world has a system that's different than God's system? The world has values that's different than God's values. When you become a Christian, your values and your ambitions have to change. I'm going to say that again because that wasn't a good enough amen. And so what happens whenever you get saved, you know, the problem, the pushback I was getting from my fellow people down there where I was working in the oil field was because I was living for a different drumby. I was living for a different reason, amen? And I wasn't interested in what the world was interested in quite as much anymore. Amen. And so they didn't like that. They wanted me to keep hanging with them. And I had to say, listen, you know, I have a choice to make. I can give up my freedom or I can just go your way. But I'm not. I went that way, man. And I know where that leads me. That's a ditch that you don't want to be in. Amen. And so we got to give it up. First John two fifteen says, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So every day we have these two things competing for us, the love of the world and the love of God. How do you know if you love the world too much? Do you have the love of God in you? Because John said, if you love the world too much, it's going to push out the love of God. So you just, that's why the first commandment says, love God with all your heart, mind, and soul. We're gonna love something. We're gonna worship something. The question is, what are we gonna worship? What are we gonna love? Come on, this is better preaching than you saying amen to. Isn't that right? All of us, each one of us, we have this tension on the inside of us. And really, whenever we think about it, our heart and our desire if it's left to itself, it's gonna be lured by the world and we'll get so deep in the world, we won't know which way's up. So we have to constantly make a decision. We have to constantly make a decision to crucify ourselves to the world and the world's ways. Remember when Jesus was tempted and Satan said, look, so look, come up on this, look, look at all this stuff. You see that? I'm going to give you all these kingdoms of the world if you'll just bow down and worship me. Come on. I I did that. How about you? There ain't no good in that right there. Amen? Second Corinthians 6, 17 says, Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Amen. In John 17, Jesus prayed this prayer. He prayed to God and he prayed for the church. And he said, Lord, we're not taking them out of the world. We leave them in there so they can be light to the world. But what our challenge is is not to allow ourselves to become like the world. we got to be separate, come out from among them and be ye separate, not physically. We don't want to build a monastery somewhere and all of us get in this bunker and wait for God to return. we got to live out there. Let's make sure that we're influencing the world and the world's not influencing us. Amen. And that's how you live in spiritual freedom. And so Paul says to the Galatians, listen, gang, listen, don't throw away your freedom. You had freedom. You were in legalistic and, and religious bondage. But come on, keep your freedom. Stand firm now in the freedom which you received, and keep living a free life. How many of you know that's the best way to live your life right there in Jesus name? Amen. Do me a favor and let's stand together and let's pray. Amen. And as we conclude, you know, the the final way to live a crucified life is you have to you have to give up your life. You have to lay it down. And and that's what Jesus was saying in Matthew 16. He said if you want to be my follower, turn from yourself as ways, take up your cross, follow me. And if you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And listen, before I became a Christian, I flirted with it. And what I mean by that was I wanted to be a Christian and I wanted God's grace and freedom and liberty in my life. but I was still holding on to my life. I was still wanting to do my own thing. I had a list of things that was important that I didn't want to give up. But Jesus says, listen, if you want to be my follower, you got to give up your life. you got to give up what's important to you. And you got to take on my priorities. You need to get on the cross with me and die. And Jesus said, listen, if you're willing to lay down your life, i tell you what's going to happen. You're going to gain life. Now, how many of you are Christians here? Let me see your hand real quick. How many of you glad you gave your life to Christ? How many of you would say you gained more life after you surrendered to Christ than the life that you had before and you wouldn't trade it for anything? Come on. Can I get a, can I get a crowd of witnesses saying amen? Amen. There's nothing like it. Amen. Come on. Just bow your head with me for just a moment. Let's pray together. If you're here today and you say, Todd, I've kind of flirted with Christianity. And I'm, I'm kind of one of those trying to ride two horses. Trying to, trying to go the way, my own way, but trying to go God's way. But man, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready to, I'm ready to give my life to Christ. I'm ready to surrender my life. I'm ready to give up my life. Living a crucified life means you're willing to give up your life. If you hear here today and say, Todd, I don't know for sure if I'm a Christian. I don't know if I've ever surrendered my life. But today, I don't want to leave here before I do it. Would you pray for me? If that's you, would you just quickly just, just raise your hand and say, Todd, pray for me. Pray that special prayer. Just hold it up just hold it up yes sir I see your hand right here just hold it up this is your moment this is your time this is the beginning of spiritual freedom right here anybody else just hold your hand up thank you sir thank you for being so courageous listen we're gonna pray this prayer together and listen you just we can't mean it for you you have to do that but just pray this Lord Jesus thank you for dying on the cross thank you for shedding your blood thank you for giving up your life so that I could have life Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know I need you. And today, Lord, I'm giving my heart to you. I'm choosing you. I repent for my sinful ways. I'm turning away from them. And I'm turning to you. Lord Jesus, help me to live in spiritual freedom. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Amen. Well, listen, I want to encourage you. Hold on to your spiritual freedom. and Don't give it away to anybody or anything. Amen. Because the best way to live life is in the liberty of the Lord. Amen. Father, I pray the favor of God, the blessing of the Lord over the people of God today. Lord Jesus, I pray. Lord, release a fresh infusion of your spirit and your anointing and your liberty today, I pray in Jesus' name. God bless you. You're dismissed. If you need anything, uh you need prayer for anything, come this way. If not, God bless you. Be blessed as you go. Dad.